This episode is brought to you by Hulu, presenting Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers. From the backboard to the front office, Legacy captures the remarkable rise and unprecedented success of one of the most iconic franchises in professional sports. Featuring new revealing interviews from players, coaches, and execs, this 10-part documentary series chronicles this extraordinary story from the inside. Watch Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers now, only on Hulu. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. Yeah. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Break layers and ball shorts. If you know, you know. One stop like a Walmart. We got the tennis balls for the wrong sport. If you know, you know. If you know about the carport, the trap door supposed to be awkward. If you know, you know. That's the reason we ball for. Circle round twice for the encore. If you know, you know. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up, do? Welcome to the Ball Hawk Show podcast. I'm your host, Amar Hawkins. Appreciate you taking time out of the day to listen to the latest episode of the show. Uh, before we get started, this episode is sponsored by Aber Insurance. Go to aberinsurance.com for all your insurance needs. That's home, business, auto, and life insurance. Holler the good people at Able Insurance, service in the state of Virginia for over 20 years. And also, go to sthujuice.com. That's sthujuice.com for all your shut the hell up juice apparel created by yours truly, the ball hawk. So go check that out. So today's episode, we will be recapping episodes five and six of The Last Dance. Um, really enjoyed enjoying this series. And I want to say th- these two episodes, I titled them The Mindset of MJ. Like, you, you, you really understood, got a better understanding of MJ, in my opinion, like, he was just a, a competitive, psychotic freak. Like everything, any and everything, he wanted to be the best in that. And you kind of saw why Michael didn't really mentor so many players. You kind of understand um, little comments he's made towards players in the past. And I just think Michael was a guy that was shortchanged so much growing up because of his brothers and because of how they uh, discussed his father and trying to, you know, get that love and attention from his dad um, compared to his brothers who can play sports and also work on cars. Um, They talked about in the first two episodes that it made you truly appreciate Kobe Bryant as well also. And speaking of Kobe Bryant, he made an appearance in this episode and this is a sound clip from when Kobe was talking about his relationship with Michael Air Jordan. Rough couple years for me coming to the league because at the time the league was so much older. It's not as young as it is today. Michael provided a lot of guidance for me. Like I had a question about shooting this turnaround shot. So I asked him about it. You know, he gave me a great detailed answer. But on top of that, he said, if you ever need anything, give me a call. You know, and that's and that's the relationship they had. Uh Kobe Bryant was Michael Jordan's little brother. And the fact that Kobe was man enough to ask Michael himself about his turnaround jump shot, his patented fadeaway. Um, the fact that Kobe 
wanted to be just like Mike, but also wanted that greatness and and understood the determination that Michael had. Um, and people always talk about, you know, who's better, Kobe or Mike, or who's better, Mike and LeBron. And Kobe touched on that also, and he had a great statement, I believe. It's like my big brother. You know, I truly hate having discussions about who would win one-on-one. And what you get from me is from him. There you have it. What you get from me is from him. And a lot of the times, Kobe's name is glossed over when you talk about who's the greatest of all time. Now it's just Michael and LeBron and even Allen Iverson and Steve, uh, Steven Jackson. What about Kobe? Why do we just gloss over Kobe? It's because Kobe mimicked Mike so much. And he is right there behind Mike when it comes to shooting guards of all time. Like Kobe is number two all time. Five rings. Um, got three with Shaq, then two on his own. Uh, just an assassin. Mamba mentality to where he passed along the way he approached the game to a guy like a Kyrie Irving. And you saw how big Kyrie came up on the biggest stage playing alongside LeBron James uh, versus the Golden State Warriors when he hit that three-pointer to essentially become the game-winning shot. Um, So it just – how they started off the episode with Kobe talking about Mike and realizing that that was the 98 All-Star game, showing you the the behind-the-scenes of how Mike understood Kobe – had that mentality of, damn it, I'm going to shoot and everything's going to be one-on-one because essentially that's how Mike uh, was when he got into the NBA. He, he he was like Kobe was. He just wanted to go out there and get his buckets and be about basketball and display his greatness, even though Kobe had some hiccups shooting air balls and things like that. But when they showed that, 90, that 98 All-Star game and they showed Michael in his last time around with uh, Larry Bird, being the coach and Magic Johnson coming in and Michael understood understood that Kobe's coming for the throne like Kobe wants to be the best and even with his competitive edge his ability to just drop jewels on Kobe and and, and talk him through a lot of things once he was done that's a lot of th- that's a lot that people don't realize about Michael because Michael Jordan is essentially an introvert when it comes to mainstream media and people in the public and um as much as you we see in these episodes of mike gambling with the security in his own locker room space you know he used a space on his own and they're throwing nickels and um closer to the wall you know for a 20 dollar bet and you see him playing cards for money then you see him playing golf for money and you realize that he's just a competitive freak he just wants to compete in everything and the gambling comes up in these episodes and you know there's a lot of speculation about why Mike stepped away from the game after the first third championship and and was it because of his gambling debts and you know did his father uh was he murdered because of a gambling debt and you see that he had to go to court and testify why he gave um the amount of cash that he did to an individual and I don't want to give out too many spoilers because you know hopefully people will really go watch it because some folks may listen to this first and then go watch it um, but you see that Michael was gambling with a lot of shady folks that he didn't know was shady folks because Michael's all about competing 
you know, basketball is his arena. Basketball is his forte. He never bet on basketball. He bet on cards. He bet on throwing nickels. You know, I wonder if that was like a violation. If, would that be a violation today if guys are, are gambling in the locker room? I mean, he's gambling with the security folks that work at the United Center, but it just goes to show, and they had a story with Bill Winnington when he talked about how Mike, Scotty, and Ron Harper played for thousands of dollars. They played poker um, in the back of the plane, and Mike would come to the front of the plane where Winnington, B.J. Armstrong, and John Paxson was seated, and they played for dollars, like you know, a couple of one-dollar bets. And Mike would want to come play with them. And they was like, Mike, why are you coming up here when you're playing for thousands of dollars in the back? And Mike just looked at them and said, because I want you to know that I took your money. And then he did a special when he sat down and they asked him, did he have a gambling addiction? And Mike was like, no, I don't have a gambling addiction. I have a competitive addiction, a competition addiction. And you saw that. You see that when they talk about the dream team. When they talk about that infamous practice where Magic talks about um, how his team with Bird and other guys and, and, Char- and uh, Charles Barkley got up by eight points and Magic's talking, talking trash and saying, hey, if you want to come back, we need the Air Jordan to show up if you want to come back. And Air Jordan arrives. He starts to shoot their brains out to where it, may, it makes Magic throw the ball to the top of the stands and they realize like, yo, this dude is different. He's different. Michael... Jeffrey Jordan is different. And we just got the we 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 got a glimpse of that in these two episodes. Now it's some it's other topics that came up that you know people want to discuss and, and I'm here to discuss that as well. And the political side, um, the social side, like the social responsibility for athlete came up. They talked about that and they also talked about the shoes and, and how Mike didn't want to be with Nike to begin with. Verse had big players and told me we cannot envision you being put ahead of them. Did you have a shoe company that you wanted to go with? That was Adidas. Adidas was really dysfunctional by that time. And they had just told me like, we'd love to have Jordan. We just can't make a shoe work at this point in time. Michael didn't even want to be at Nike. And my mother said, you're going to go listen. Go into that meeting, not wanting to be there. Nike made this big bitch. Um, Father said, you got to be a fool for not taking this deal. This is the best deal. So there you have it. Like, Mike wore Adidas at UNC. Um, He was an Adidas fan. Converse had the likes of Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, uh, Dr. J. You know, Converse had colorways, as we call it. You know, colorways and shoes is... Like you wear a signature shoe, a signature shoe, not your signature shoe, but your a signature shoe, and they match the colorway to your team. So Converse had a black and white one for Larry Bird. They had a yellow and purple and white one for Magic Johnson. The list goes on and on. But nobody wanted to give Mike his signature shoe, and Nike was a company that was known for making running shoes, and they just had a new um, cushion system that they call Air. And uh, Michael's agent, Falk, you know, David Falk said, well, let's call it Air Jordan and the rest is history. So um, and they had to give him that bag because he marketed Mike as if he was a tennis player, because that's who David Falk and his company represented. They represented like the Arthur Ashes who had their own racket, their own shoe. So they marketed Mike as an individual. And back then that wasn't really heard of. It was an individual within 
the team or with you know within the concept but they was marketing a guy like Michael Jordan who was red hot off the Olympics you know coming out of college and this was unheard of unprecedented because Mike was also a smaller wing player as well so it just shows you the movement and how groundbreaking the uh, deals were that was set forth on Michael Jordan and Mike talked about like yeah I got these shoes and, and, and it's great but without me averaging what I average on the court this these campaign pitches would have fell flat so at the end of the day his play was still his biggest his biggest uh bargain chip his play on the court you know and Mike was all about basketball he was all about punishing you all about competition and um the one thing that Mike kind of tread lightly from was was the social aspect you know seeing himself as an activist Mike wanted to see himself as a basketball player if if you want the shut up and dribble type of mentality I think Michael fits that and I'm not knocking him but back then Michael was the essential shut up and play basketball like he wasn't going to talk about politics talk about about what's going on in the world even though you had the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's back then and um, Jim Browns and, and what they stood for with Muhammad Ali and Mike just understood his lane and his focus and he catches a lot of flack for that when you compare Michael to a LeBron James who will step out and speak up on political stances and things that's going on in the world with injustices and Mike got in trouble for some comments that he made and I'm gonna let you hear uh, the biggest comment that that really got him in hot water was quoted as saying Republicans buy sneakers too. I don't think that statement needs to be corrected because I said it in jest, you know, on a bus with, you know, Horace Grant and Scottie Pippen and it was, you know, thrown off the cuff. My mother asked to do a PSA for Harvey Gantt and I said, look, mom, I'm not speaking out of pocket about someone I don't know, but I will send a contribution to support it, which is what I did. I do commend Muhammad Ali for standing up for what he believed in. But I never thought of myself as an activist. I thought of myself as a basketball player. So Mike, you know, he basically summed it up himself. He never looked at himself as an activist. He looked at himself as a basketball player. So in the day and age of folks saying shut up and dribble, Mike was essentially a guy that was like, okay, I'm going to just play basketball. Um, You know, even though he got some flack for the Republican statement, he stated that he wouldn't speak out for the individual running for a political office but because he didn't personally know him. He didn't want to attach himself to somebody he didn't know. Uh, but he did donate to the campaign uh, because of his mother and, and her belief in the individual. Um, but we all know in, in this day and age, and even back then, you want your uh, forefront public figures to speak up and speak out and endorse folks who... Uh, society feels like is, is doing right for the cause and this is where Mike catches a lot of flat because Mike is att- also attached to a white gentleman named Michael Jordan who invests in prisons and folks swear up and down that's Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan is so private with the donations that he that he provides for charity he's not a guy that's social media inclined when it comes to um, keeping you in tune to how he's moving and it has you truly appreciating LeBron James but you understand that Mike is comfortable in his own skin as well. If you talk about the social activist uh, lane, yes, LeBron James is, is definitely better than Michael Jordan, but why does it have to be a competition? 
Um, it's, it's so many ways to skin a cat and so many ways to get your point across. Uh, some people move in front of the camera. Some people move behind the scenes. And, and I think sometimes it calls more division of trying to pick and choose who's better versus just understanding somebody's mind, mindset and their temperament. And that Republican combat, my Michael Jordan, um, he's not going to apologize for it because he understood he was he understood he was joking. And but at the same time, if you pull it out and make it a headline, folks are going to take it and run with it. So I understand when folks get mad about that and. It, that's just the life we live in they take a sound clip a sound bite they take a headline and they use it against you and mike is very stubborn and he stated he wasn't going to apologize about it but um yeah man um he also talked about how becoming a star started to weigh on him in this episode as well and before we get into that though before we get into that i did want to give you guys a sound clip about his explanation with, with gambling and how he felt like he didn't have an addiction. Yeah, Richard Esquinas, we met from a third party. You know, I'm actually playing golf with people all the time now. And if they want to gamble, we gamble. The character of those individuals, I find out later what kind of people I was playing with. I learned that lesson. But the act of gambling, I didn't do anything wrong. I never bet on games. I only bet on myself. You know, and that was golf. Uh, do I like to play blackjack? Yeah, I like playing blackjack. And the league did call me in. They asked questions about it, you know, and I told them exactly what was happening. Do you think you have a gambling problem at all? No, because I can stop gambling. I have a competition problem. And now let's listen to a soundbite where Michael Jordan talk about the pressures of being a star and how that could weigh on you mentally and physically. Physically, I was getting exhausted. Mentally, I was way past exhausted. <laughs> when you try to do something repetitively, you lose some of the, the hunger and some of the edge. I'm at that stage in my career, in my life, that you know, I'd rather get behind closed doors than to be out there in the, in, in the spotlight to be taking shots from everyone that really don't know you as a person. If I had the chance to do it all over again, I would never want to be considered a role model. It's against me. You know, there's no way I can win. Now, I found that interesting right there, you know, Mike was very candid and I definitely understand that first retirement now. I definitely understand that first retirement. How he just said if he had to do it all over again, he wanted he wouldn't want to be looked up at as a role model because it's tough having to be so called perfect and Mike understood the vices that he had in his life. He understood. You got to think about it. Now, watching these first six episodes, you saw that Mike didn't really practice low management when it came to activities in between games. Like, he's playing two rounds of golf the day before a finals game versus the Suns. He, I mean, the dude would stay out all night and... and um, the, you know, in one of the, in one of these two episodes, they talk about the Knicks uh, playoff series in which he stayed out gambling till one o'clock in the morning and they end up losing and he didn't see anything wrong with it. Um, they started out 0-2 in that series versus the Knicks and then they came back and actually won four straight games. That was the infamous John Starks duck throwing him, uh, Horace Grant and Scottie Pippen. And... Um, yeah, and Mike actually had a rough game three in which he shot like three for 
16 from the field, but he was 17 to 18 from the free throw line. He ended up with 22 points and 11 rebounds. And Scottie Pippen um, led the way with 29 points. Um, and a lot of folks are mad that that was left out of the documentary. So, folks, a lot of people who have lived through the up and downs of LeBron James' career and the vitriol that they've been getting from Michael Jordan fans are watching this documentary. And they want to point out every shortcomings of Michael Jordan to be like, aha, see Jordan fans, Michael isn't perfect. And for any Jordan fan that comes at a LeBron James fan like Michael Jordan was perfect, either you were, you know, misinformed or you were just in denial. But Michael was human as they come. He has so many um, bad habits, but he was so great on the court that you look past him. Social media wasn't around. Internet wasn't truly prevalent throughout Michael Jordan's entire career. So you couldn't meet him with the same scrutiny. And I think that's what a lot of LeBron James fans are doing with The Last Dance. They're taking the time to revisit the Michael Jordan career and using the current technology to really downgrade any and everything that he accomplished so they can better elevate why LeBron James is better because of the way he's handling it and when you come up in different eras Michael Jordan is very pig-headed and he's very stubborn as an ox and, and you see that so Michael Jordan will tell you he'll give two F's about any and everything the way you think about him just give him a, give him a basketball put him on a court and he's gonna kill because also in these two episodes they highlighted the Portland Trailblazer final which was 92 and how he viewed his competition with Clyde Drexler and he basically stated yeah Clyde was a great player but I felt it was disrespect that somebody thought he was even close to competing with me and I'm gonna show you night in and night out and he went at Clyde Drexler like it was nobody's business he went out to destroy him and this is what I love about Michael Jordan and and this is all I'm gonna say before I wrap this podcast episode up the reason why I admire Michael Jordan a lot is because of that exact mindset. I'm going to put my foot on your throat. Magic Johnson said that he could play you in cards and he's good. He's not just going to beat you. He's going to put his foot on your throat. Basically, Michael's going to will you to a win. You're never going to see quits in him. Yes, he may have bad shooting nights, but you can never, ever look at a game Michael Jordan played and say, yo, he packed it in. And I think that's why folks go at a guy like LeBron James because people feel like there are games to where he will he will take a backseat because of the uh, the pressures. Now, Mike took a backseat when it came to the social pressures, but in competition, he didn't take a backseat to anybody. He wanted to destroy you, and he was going to work to destroy you. Like, he, he was going to make it a point. It became an addiction. Competition is an addiction. And he displayed that. And the last dance is displaying that. Of why those bull teams were so great. And why they were so successful. Because even when it when Phil and Tex Winters came up to him and told him, you, we, we got to change the offense to the triangle offense, he was bullheaded in that. And once he agreed to being in a triangle, here's a guy that came from being known as a ball hog that averaging 11 assists in the finals versus the uh, Lakers. A lot of folks don't give him credit for averaging 30 and 11. 
his first finals victory, series victory. You know, that's that's the type of guy that he was. That Once he saw a weakness, he would fully exploit it. And he saw that with, with Portland. And he was hitting threes. He was hitting threes. So, yeah, man, I just think this series, these two episodes highlighted the mindset of Michael Jordan. It showed his uh, the demons that he had, which was gambling. And you see that he partaked in it. He loved to smoke cigars, loved drinking beers. And, and Mike, in a way, kind of, he will dry snitch and, and, and tell on people that came before him. They were drinking beers. And he talked about with Scottie Pippen how when he was a rookie, coaches would give players cigarettes during halftime and things of that nature. So people have been joking, Mike. Um, and, and that's what you get with with being behind the scenes. Like a lot of guys would start to reflect on their previous seasons and, and folks was, oh, he dry since like, no, nah, man, he just telling the story to his homeboys and lo and behold, the camera's there. And sometimes you forget because the locker room and the training room is a safe haven for players. So hopefully um, you guys have been enjoying the series, man. We got through six episodes, got four episodes left. Um, definitely. Also, I want to say also it showed you how Mike talked about with Charles Barkley winning the MVP, how he wanted to make it a point, like, all right, he may have got the MVP, but I'm still the best player. And Charles Barkley admitting that that was the first time that he was on the basketball court that he truly felt like he was inferior to another player, opposing player on the court, any player on the court. Because that finals, Michael averaged 40 points. Yeah, he's a bad man. So that's all I got for y'all, man. The last dance recap is the ball hawk. I'm out of here. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.